Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, an assistant pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. Thanks for tuning into the program. My guest today is Brad Burkowski, missionary to Trinidad. The island of Trinidad is the southernmost island in the Caribbean chain and lies off the coast of Venezuela. Given its proximity to the U.S. and the fact that its language is English, Trinidad's a pretty good foreign field to visit. And that's how Brother Brad developed an interest in the field of Trinidad. In the course of this interview, I was surprised to learn that God dealt with Brad's heart about serving in Trinidad when he visited there at the age of 12. It wasn't a straight line from that tender age to his deployment to Trinidad in 2015, but Brother Burkowski did get some unique training for what he would eventually give his life to, and that's one of the focuses of this conversation, missionary mentorship and on-the-job training. With that introduction, let's get into the conversation. Brother Brad, you've been serving in the island nation of Trinidad since 2015. You started the Cornerstone Baptist Church in Princess Town in 2017, and I've been there. The work is going well. But your interest in missions in general and in Trinidad in particular started when you were quite young. I was hoping you could begin the conversation here by telling us how you developed an interest in missions in general and how you were exposed to the field of Trinidad where you're serving now. Yes, sir. I would love to. Uh, the Lord really blessed me and my siblings with some wonderful godly parents that expose us to missions at a young age, whether it be uh, missionary you know, biographies and, and autobiographies and even sometimes films uh, throughout our schooling years, and, but also allowing us to see missionaries face to face. And I remember opening our home many times, dozens of times, to missionaries passing through and and being with them and talking with them and just getting to know them. And it really softened my heart and put my heart in that direction at an early age. Then, of course, I had an incredible privilege of going to the country of Trinidad at the young age of 12. Uh, my dad took me there along with a couple other siblings. And strangely enough, my wife was also on that trip, though she wasn't my wife at the time. She was 14 and I was 12 and her father was there. And it was just incredible. A wonderful groundbreaking for me to see what the world of missions is all about. I remember us helping a missionary start a church and being involved in uh, evangelistic outreaches and, and, and tent meetings. And I led my first souls to Christ on that trip. And it really just pushed me to that direction uh, full speed and allowed me to know that God had a calling on my life. And really that trip solidified it in more ways than one. And uh, a very fun story that I don't think is uh, well known, but the audience gets to hear this. On the way back uh, to the, the dormitories that we were staying at, the final night of the trip, I remember sitting on the, the, the bus, the, the riding bus we had with uh, a gentleman that was on the trip. And it happened to be my wife's father, of course. He's not my, he wasn't my father-in-law then. But I remember us just sitting and chatting and he, he looked at me and said, Brad, would you like to come back to this place? Uh, someday I said, yes, sir. You know, I think God is, is working on my heart about being a missionary here uh, in the future. And he said, wow, that's amazing. And I remember that conversation like it was yesterday and, and he was excited, although I'm not sure how much more he'd be excited if he knew that it was his daughter I was taking back with me. <laughs> right. But it was a, a wonderful time. And coming back from that trip, it really helped me see that God was going to use me if I was willing 
in the area of missions. That is a, that's a great story. I did not realize that it was at the age of 12 and I, I can't help but think of the Lord's trip to Jerusalem at the only reference to our savior's childhood, really a, oh, apart yes. from his birth and what a milestone that was really in his life, because it's at that time, at least as far as scripture indicates that he is consciously aware of the of, of his purpose upon this earth to do his father's business and Amen. to fulfill his father's will. And for you to have that exposure at the age of 12, uh, that's just uh, that's tremendous. I have actually tried with my own with my own boys, my older boys, um, to, to mark that transition, try to, you know, indicate to them that you're moving from boyhood to manhood Amen. and you need to try to take up with the men and you need to try to do manly things. You need to try to put away childish things. We've tried to mark that with our kids, with our boys around the age of 12. And for you to have that experience is, is just tremendous. I'm, I'm curious about a couple of things though, after hearing the story, was that, was that like a first type of experience that your wife, that Felicia had had at that, at that point? Was that the first mission trip that she had been on as well? Yes, sir. It was, it was her very first mission trip, even though her father had been on many others before he also tried to do the same type of system that it, it sounds like you're, uh, attempting with your boys as well. He took a child uh, with him on each missions trip, and this was her turn to go. So I'm right. not sure if it was just spectacular coincidence or uh, <laughs> divine providence. <laughs> years and years later, as you returned to the field as a married couple, what kind of impression did she have of Trinidad from going at, at the age of 14? Oh my, it was so much uh, that she couldn't remember and, and didn't know about. And it was definitely a learning curve for both of us, because when you go as two teenagers, it's, it's a lot of fun and games and everything is very just uh, sparkly. But when you, when you return as adults and married, there's a whole lot of responsibility to take on. <laughs> so it was a little bit of adjustment for sure for her. If I could use it for in the missionary sense, not the same sort of romance as going for a, for a short term trip as, exactly. as returning to live in a, in a place so different as a married couple. The luster is uh, gone for sure. <laughs> so Re- related to that, Brother Brad, you're, you're not the only one in your family that's ended up in, in full-time ministry and serving in a foreign field. Is this, your, your, did your father, was this a really intentional thing that he did with you and your siblings to expose you to foreign missions with a trip in this way? I mean, was that, was that part of the plan? I believe it was. Uh, looking back now, I see that he did so much for us to make sure we were exposed to people that were he referred to them as heroes of the faith. And to this day, uh, you know, I can still mark our childhood with some of the best times being with missionaries and preachers. And, and I, I guess looking back, he, he did make that a point. I know my older brother is a missionary in the country of Greece and Europe, but yeah, my, I believe my dad really did do that, whether uh, just by the Lord's leading or just unconsciously because he knew he wanted his children to be available for whatever God had for them. Even though the Lord dealt with your heart at the at the young age of twelve, and by the way, brother Brad, I had a, a sort of a similar kind of experience around the same age in the Lord dealing with my heart about uh, preaching and about ministry, and the Lord um, impressing me with with uh, an experience of sorts 
that um, something that I could go back to. But for me, it's not something that developed straight away. And as I understand, your the Lord dealing with your heart at age twelve. That's not something. That's not a. That's not a calling or a burden or whatever you would describe it as that you were necessarily true to throughout your teenage years. So how did that, de- how did that develop? You, it wasn't, so the Lord dealt with you at 12, but it's not something that stayed with you necessarily through your whole teenage experience. How did that come about? Exactly. Yes, sir. I've got to be honest and say that there was uh, the times of adversity and definitely mistakes on my part. Um, you know, when, when a teenager is up against uh, the world of today. Well, <laughs> actually, the world of 18 years ago. I can't imagine being a teenager of today, but uh, especially in church, the the devil's going to come hard. And of course, my heart did turn uh, hardened and rebellious, and that was nobody's fault but mine. I'm not blaming Satan for that, but I definitely yielded my heart in that direction. And for many years, I had uh, just masked what the Lord had done, and my parents wisely would repeatedly call me on it and say, hey, wasn't God going to work on you or as a missionary or didn't he want to use you? What, what, was, what was that going on in your life? And I'd come up with some you know, unfounded idea that, oh, well, maybe I could just serve in a church and have a regular job, which is all good and well, unless you're running from God's will. <laughs> and that is exactly what I was doing. And uh, so I went through some, some teenage years, very hardened and rebellious and turned my heart away from that. And I'm so thankful that the Lord had mercy on me, uh, and I'm so grateful. It was a turning point in my life that he used a missionary's family uh, and a very missionary family that was very close to us and friends, and uh, their daughter was my age, and she had come back to the States for Bible college. And she was planning on going back to the mission field and hopefully marrying a man that would go on mission field as well. And her heart was just, you know, a thousand percent devoted to the Lord. And I remember seeing that and just having such admiration, respect for her. And I think I even supported her in some way or, or helped her in some way just because she was a friend. But I remember the, the call I got that uh, terrible day many years ago. I think I was 19 years old and I had heard that she had uh, capsized in a kayak and that she had froze to death in the water. And the Lord just beat me up and just really brought me over the coals and said, what are you doing with your life? And I remember that day crying for the very first time in, in probably many years. And, and uh, he just broke my heart and said, Brad, what is it that you're wasting your life on? And I knew I was wasting my life and I knew that she didn't. And I thought that I, I literally said to God, God, why don't you take me instead since I'm such a waste? And it was a turning point in my life when I realized, okay, Time to get serious. And that's exactly what I did. I, I pushed some sin out of my life and, and re, uh, refocused my attention, my direction. And the Lord really worked on me. It was so timely that the next week I was at a conference and the preacher was preaching hard about heroes of the faith and good men in the Bible. And he preached on Caleb, the final message. And who knew that Caleb had a missionary message in there? And uh, he preached on uh, Caleb saying, I want that mountain. He said, how bad do you want to serve God? And I remember going to the altar and saying, Lord, I want it so bad. I'll do whatever it takes. I am yours. I surrender all. Hear my, send me. And uh, that's when I decided, no matter what it is, whether it is a secular job or mission field or pastorate, I'm surrendered. And I knew that's what the Lord ultimately wanted for my life. Amen. Well, that's the main thing, of course, is just to be submissive to the will of God, want to be wherever the Lord wants you to be. 
And at that stage in your life, it, I, I'm sure that uh, whether it, it it wasn't it wasn't a matter of Trinidad or or somewhere else, it was just the will of God that you wanted. And yet, the Lord did direct you back in time to Trinidad. So how did that work? How did that work out? So you you got right with the Lord. You're around 19 years of age, and you had an opportunity not so long after that to go back to Trinidad, as I understand. How did that opportunity materialize, and and what the Lord do in your heart when you ended up back in the field where God dealt with you at the age of 12? Yes, sir. It was an uh, incredible opportunity I had. I was able to revisit the, uh, I guess you could say, the birthplace, revisit the home, the stomping grounds, and I just wanted to see, you know, if it was real and try to, try to rekindle that fire and boy, was it ever rekindled. I remember going back and just feeling that same tightness in your chest and just the same watery eye feeling they feel uh, sometimes when the Lord is working on you, especially uh, when it comes to people's lives. And it was from there, 19 years old, that I decided to go and to Trinidad every year. And I still wasn't fully convinced, I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, I had to have the Lord spell it clearly for me. Sometimes I'm not really a chapter and verse guy. I hear a lot of missionaries and preachers saying that. You've got to have the chapter and verse. But I really needed the Lord to be so specific because, <laughs> as I'm sure you found, Brother Lee, when uh, someone surrenders to serve God, it's almost like you, you're a hot ticket. And you can be an assistant pastor here or assistant pastor there. And I had three different offers from three different churches in the States within a month to come and be an assistant pastor. And I had finished Bible school at 21. I had had two degrees already. And I also had a a request from a missionary to come and work with him in Europe. And, and all of this was coming to my life. And there was a a solid vortex of just confusion. And I remember it was a few months before my wife and I got married. I went back to Trinidad one last time as a single man. And I said, Lord, you've got to show me from your word because I will not listen to any other man who tells me what to do unless you are behind it. And I remember it was January 4th, 2013, and I opened my Bible to Proverbs chapter 4, and I said, Lord, I've been planning on coming to Trinidad for years now. If you need to change those steps or redirect my steps or throw me off course, do it. Otherwise, confirm that this is what you want me to do in, in this direction. And at the end of that chapter, brother, it says, Ponder the path of thy feet, let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left hand. And... <laughs> There was such relief because I knew the Lord wanted me there, and I I had that significant chapter and verse. So that was a huge blessing. That was my decision-making from that day. Amen. And how many trips had you made in between that that trip to in at the age of 19 and when you got your verse on January 4th, 2014? How many times had had you been to Trinidad? It was at least once a year, and I believe one year I went twice. So it could have been about five or six times. It seems like there is, when we look at the need for worldwide missions, um, and we look at those that are the, the, the limited numbers of people that are making themselves available, it just makes you wonder, is there something more that we could do to expose young people to the, to the need and to the opportunities and, um, now, whether whether somebody goes on a on a on a foreign mission trip and then comes back and and says, you know, I'm I'm going to spend my life on a foreign mission field, it just seems to me having the exposure to foreign missions at that formative season of life just ha- gives a young person an opportunity 
at least to be engaged, whether they're on the foreign field or whether they're supporting workers on the foreign field from their stateside church. I am a big advocate of of mission trips and especially at that season of life. And just to, for you to get that exposure at 19 and 20 and 21 years old, at repeated trips to the foreign field, it had to have been uh, just really a help to to get some focus and some direction and to let the Lord work in your heart about about foreign missions. So I love the fact that you had that exposure. I guess at this time, it was pretty common knowledge around the people that knew you that you're kind of wrestling with, you're going to go, so, you're going to do something for God and it's going to be somewhere. Were there other people that encouraged you to continue to go to Trinidad until you found out for sure if that's the place that you were supposed to be? So I did counsel with a lot of different people that had, there was basically three different directions that I was being pushed. And I remember a good friend of mine who's in the ministry and who's actually the pastor of a, a large church in the Midwest. He, he had wanted me to come work on staff with him. And I remember sitting up late till 2 a.m. one night with him. And he just looked at me and said, Brad, ultimately, it's got to be God who tells you. And that helped me a lot. I had another influence that was trying to pull me back to my home church and, and uh, also other influences on the mission field of Trinidad and another uh, mission field in Europe. And all of those things just confirmed my need even more to hear from God and God alone. Uh, especially reading First Samuel three in that still small voice that he heard, and even when he thought it was Eli, uh, Eli directing him back to God, it made me realize how important our relationship is with God in these incredible decisions. So there were some great influences, but I will credit the influences that allowed me to keep my ear to the ground for the Lord instead of trying to just uh, please authority or you know different uh, advice that I was given. To think of so many 19, 20, 21-year-olds and the deci- the options that they have at their disposal, you made some good decisions when you were 19 and 20. When you have, when you have so many open doors, it's wonderful to have a lot of good options as Amen. opposed to ruining your life with sin and yep. then have no good options. So, man, I, I rejoice in seeing a young person that's got a lot of different options to serve God that's a much better position to be in than choosing between lesser, lesser options. I definitely credit my parents with a lot of that. You know, they had, we had a strict upbringing, which I didn't like at the time, but definitely proved worthy and helpful. Well, in those frequent trips in, in, as an, as a young adult to Trinidad, you were in regular contact with a veteran missionary there in Trinidad. Yes, sir. For the James Hoffmeister. And I've heard you state that that really, Brother Hoffmeister was he was kind of the guy at that at that season in your life that that really was something of a of a mentor in the ministry for you. But I think that I've heard you use the word discipled. That he he was the person at that season in your life that the Lord gave you to really disciple you in the work of the ministry. So I, I wonder how. How your time in Trinidad and how your relationship with Brother Hoffmeister helped to contribute to your spiritual growth at that season? Absolutely, yes, sir. During that time, uh, I had mentioned earlier that having a veteran missionary uh, be con- be concerned and and uh, influential in a uh, I guess you could say a church kid's life wasn't what I was 
accustomed to. You know, you think of missionaries and pouring themselves into lost people and church planting. And, and so I was very taken aback that a, a missionary with a church and uh, a family and a ministry would be so invested in a young man like myself. So I really absorbed that at every level. And I remember, you know, hours of talking and hours of just watching. And, and you said it, discipleship is really where it was at, uh, not necessarily where I went through a course uh, that he gave me, but <laughs> the the on-the-job training right. in just familiarizing myself with the work in the Lord and ministry in general. And that helped me so much because missions, especially in this day and age of social media, which is so, like you mentioned, delicate to step around, missions can be such a wide variety and spectrum when it comes to the um, application and execution of it. And I was so grateful for that time period what are we at now? It was about, uh, you know, 10 years ago around that time where it was it just taught me on so many different levels of how it works and just investing your, your time and life into people. And he really taught me so much about that. And I am so grateful for that. And he's still a very good friend. And I, I thank the Lord for him just uh, spending hours, really. That's what it was. I, I think my longest trip there was six weeks. <laughs> and uh, I can't imagine having some young man come and stay with my family and I for six weeks at a time. And he just really took me under his wing and his whole family became family to me. And I've spent holidays with them. I've spent New Year's, Thanksgiving, Christmas. And, and really, they just adopted me into their life. And I really credit them. And of course, what the Lord has allowed them to do for me and, and seeing how missions work firsthand. Well, seeing it firsthand in that way seems like it would be an invaluable experience and preparation for what the Lord wanted you to do when you're there as a, as a supported missionary on your own. You use the term on-the-job training, Absolutely. and I really think that you know we use the word discipleship has almost become cliche. And I am not opposed to a to a course in discipleship or to to encouraging people to go through some sort of series of studies on on basic Bible doctrines, and we call that discipleship. I think discipleship in the way that the Lord Jesus Christ did it with His disciples is more akin to what you've just described and what Brother Hoffmeister was able to provide for you in on-the-job training and in not not just in not just in sitting down and talking through the the needs of the ministry what's going on in your heart but seeing how a family functions on the foreign mission field and actually getting to, getting to get your hands dirty uh, in the work of missions and becoming engaged. So what are some of the ways that that this prepared you for your ministry in Trinidad today? What are some of the outreaches? What are some of the ministries that you got exposed to in those frequent trips that um, provided you with some of the training that you're still employing now? That's a wonderful question as well, brother. I cannot name one ministry event that I do with our church that I had not done previously with him at least twice. And that includes wow. vacation Bible school. That includes tent crusades. That includes uh, teen camp. That includes missions conference. I, I've been through every step. And it, the steps he would allow me, obviously, I'm sure there's some details that weren't, weren't humanly possible or just logistically favorable. But I really just 
was able to be immersed in every level of the game and it helped me just see the entire picture so things like that ministry events and and dealing with people and seeing how he was able to work with people and the disappointments and the the failures of a church church plant and the growths and the victories it really gave me such a huge insight that you cannot as much as you try to you cannot gain from a missionary autobiography it was right. just incredible that I, the training I had, and I'll, I'll be honest, preacher, I am still using so many things that I learned from him to this day as a pastor of our, our own church and uh, first church plant. And it has been invaluable and I'll never, ever forget the lessons I've learned from him. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it is a mistake to think that everybody, that we've got to learn everything for ourselves. When you have wisdom and experience it is so good for for that wisdom and experience to be passed along to somebody else that doesn't have to make. And of course, I haven't, you know, I don't know who taught Brother Hoffmeister these things, but he learned them. And the fact that he was able to pass them along to you in the setting that he did, uh, it, it just really helped the learning curve, I'm sure, for yourself. And I, I think in terms of methods of, of missions and acclimating to a foreign field, I think it is normally advisable for a man to, to be able to go and work with a veteran missionary uh, for that very reason. There, there are a lot of ad- advantages. It gives, it gives an opportunity to be engaged in the ministry while a family acclimates to a foreign field and adjusts and adapts to a new culture. It gives some support, but it also gives an opportunity to learn some things that are going to be important for the future of, of a new missionary's ministry as they go out on their own. So that discipleship and mentor relationship, how did that carry over to your full-time transition to the field in 2015? So the Lord touched your heart about going to the field in January of 2014. You knew that it was the mind of the Lord for you to go. And then another year or so later, you're transitioning to the field. Um, and when you got there, you had a church to work with and a missionary to continue to learn from. And, and you had already developed a, a lot of relationships that would be vital to the launch of Cornerstone in Princess Town. So how, how, did, how did those relationships benefit you when you transitioned to the field full time? Incredibly beneficial. Uh, you know, we had arrived at the field summer of 2015 and had just obviously moved uh, to Trinidad, my wife was expecting with our second child, and of course, deputation is always a winning point of life. So we <laughs> we were able to finish with that, and of course, there were some other things we had left behind and transitioned through in the states. So uh, rather than jump off and and start a church plant uh, at ground zero at that time, I my wife and I needed a little bit of time to ease into it, and so our plan was to stay with his church there that he had his church and, and the Bible Institute he was starting and invest ourselves there while also accommodating some more OJT and allowing ourselves to be used as uh, the Lord would have it there for a few months. And so it really definitely helped us in just establishing relationships there. And I remember just taking hours of time driving around the country. You know, it was nice to be able to, to do that. This is not something uh, missionaries might talk about to their supporting churches, but being able to serve at another church plant for a little while, but also spend time just scoping out the land and being able to pray and invest your time into 
a direction rather than an immediate uh, result of ministry. So that was very helpful for me. I remember spending hours driving and learning the culture and the people in the area. And I remember Princess Town was brought to mind many times and to, to my ears. And it was something that I was surrendered to. So I remember investing hours of myself into that place and, and getting to know it and getting to know the people and the churches and locations and, and whatnot. And uh, it definitely helped having that, I guess you could say, downtime ministerially uh, before we were able to launch out on our own. It, it was very valuable. Sure. And it seems like at the time that it once you were confident that it was time to launch out on your own and establish Cornerstone in Princess Town. So Brother brother Hoffmeister, he established Charity Baptist Church in San Fernando, yes, and sir. that's the church that you worked with when you first got there. Yes, but when it was time for you to go and establish Cornerstone in Princess Town, the relationship with Charity actually continued. If I recall, it seems like the the support there at Charity, the labor force, so to speak, and they've got a very very they've, they've got a, a lot of hardworking people in the church that want to be a part of the ministry. Uh, how did how did how was Charity able to assist you as you struck out on your own to establish Cornerstone in Princess Town? Well, Brother James, as we know, has a evangelistic heart. You know, he's an evangelist at heart, which and, and winning souls and seeing the lost come to Christ. But of course, the the church always takes on the heart of the pastor naturally, so they they are very evangelistically minded, and that was very helpful in having our tent crusades and and our, our vacation Bible schools. And I remember doing that first crusade, and <laughs> we joke about it today. But back then, he was basically, you know, he was basically the man in charge, and I was the workhorse. And that helped me. It helped me a lot because it helped me get everything done and just run a checklist through him and bullet points and a punch list and trying to make sure we hit every level. And, and it was an eight-night crusade that was just a lot of work to take on. But I was so glad for his help uh, along my side and, of course, his church, which helped us carry a lot of the burden uh, evangelistically in, in ways of witnessing and inviting and and getting people there and transportation. It was it was a huge investment on their part. And I also want to call to mind and praise the Lord for the other local churches because there are other churches on the island that came out for that, and they drove hours at a time for that. And it was a huge yeah. blessing, the investment. There's local pastors of Trinidad and Tobago that invested in that church plant, uh, Pastor Loveless, Pastor Roy, and, and many others that I remain very close friends with today. And are very influential in our church. And that was such a huge blessing to see that a group of churches were a, a huge part of a, a birth of a new church. Amen. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing to have the cooperation of already established churches to to help a new church get off the ground in an area that does not have a good, strong local Bible believing work. And so it is a it's a team it's a team effort, no doubt about it. These kind of relationships are so important and and they're so beneficial, but they're not without their challenges too. Because you put two, I know you are a motivated guy, and you've got you you've got vision and you've got things that you want to accomplish. But as far as anybody's concerned, you're the novice on the field. <laughs> you're you're the right. new guy on the block, exactly. and you're working. You're you're of course working with the with the veteran missionary that he's got really strong opinions and ideas about everything, and he he uh, he of course knows how he would do it. So it's not that there aren't challenges in these relationships. It would be wise to acknowledge that these these kinds of relationships 
they are so beneficial, but they're such a challenge too. Yes, sir. Because the kind of men that start churches are the kind of men that have hard heads and strong wills. (laughs) (laughs) Independent Baptist men. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's absolutely true. And I I definitely don't want to, I don't want to give the devil any, any credit at all, but there are things that we have to learn that we still must be Christians about. And I guess if I were to say some things that were, was we were able to conquer these things with was just, uh, you know, it's important to have a strong relationship with your home church and your pastor. Amen. And uh, my pastor, Pastor Cable, is a wonderful man, a, a great counselor, great advisor, great friend. And uh, you see, really see the value and importance of local church at that level because for all intents and purposes, um, Cornerstone Baptist Church uh, is a ministry uh, biblically of my home church in New York. And sure. it's, it's a ministry locally of the other churches there in Trinidad. So those defining lines are very important to acknowledge and to, to make sure that they're public. But also, brother, uh, the, the one of the main things that has helped me through maneuvering through those tepid waters is knowing that the devil loves division. And any chance he can get brothers of, of Christ to just have one seed or one, one line or one whatever it is thought against each other, it could just foil the whole masterpiece. And that helped me so much. In, and uh, yes, were there tense moments? Of course, there are always tense moments in life. We probably had tense moments with our spouses just this past week. So obviously, when you're working so closely with someone and, and there's some, so much involvement with uh, many different parties, there's going to be that. But having the unity of Christ in the forefront and a strong relationship with the home church, I believe was so invaluable for us. And I'm thankful for the help that they gave us. So one more, one more question along these lines. So there were charity at San Fernando, your sending church, which is also cornerstone um, other, other local churches there on the Island of Trinidad, all contributed. And by the way, your, your local, your sending church sent teams down there at different times to participate. Uh, man, there's such a, I mean, a huge team effort. You allowed me to teach a, a session, a discipleship lesson, even before the church was formally organized when you were uh, after the crusade, when you're uh, doing some training with some new Christians. So a huge team effort went into the establishment of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Princestown, and it's now independent, and it's growing, and it's doing well. In what ways can you see the personality and influence of some of these other churches that contributed to the establishment of Cornerstone still present in the work? Well, that is something wonderful that I learned from uh, veteran missionaries, multiple veteran missionaries, preacher, is that uh, obviously no man stands alone and no, no people are self-made. And so it was very helpful to get that kind of involvement and influence in our church. And I, I believe that really has attributed to the, I have to say, quick growth in uh, retrospect and comparing uh, other ministries locally there, because really that helped us so much in getting not only uh, other flavors of teachers and preachers and different kinds of personalities involved, but it helped the new believers see that this wasn't a one-man job. It helped Amen. them see that, you know, in, in the country of Trinidad, as with many Caribbean nations, and I'm sure many other, other nations around the world, religion is such a huge emphasis. And uh, 
the religion and cult go hand in hand. And we know cults are started by one or two people. And so it's very tough to get people to follow you because they're so uh, rightfully, rightfully so skeptical. But having that involvement and influence from other men and other groups really solidified the reality of what God was doing. I do believe that it has attributed to the fast growth of our church and just the the love that our church has for preachers and it really is a wonderful thing and i was taught that by other better missionaries that that you don't stand alone if you can and i guess i don't don't have an excuse when i'm in a country that is english speaking and not very far from the mainland of the united states sure amen and and for a local church of an infant local church to yes, see sir. other local churches doing outreach to assist them in the establishment of something that's that's just there's something invaluable about seeing others invest in you and that it becomes a responsibility right so now cornerstone in prince's town there's going to there are going to be opportunities for you all to invest in other church plants and for you all to to take what God has given you and what you've received and try to share that with others. So that's one of the things that I wanted to close the conversation with here. Um, I One of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you, Brother Brad, is I think some of the paces that the Lord put you through to prepare you for your ministry in Trinidad, I think are really unique, but but really biblical. The exposure that the Lord gave you to foreign missions through the influence of your parents as a young man, that formative visit at the age of 12, and uh, not only for you, but at, for for your wife, Felicia, when she's just a 14-year-old girl. And then the multiple trips that you took where you got, even before you knew you were going to go there full-time, where you got on-the-job training and had a mentor type of relationship with a veteran missionary, and how that has equipped you to do what you've been able to do for the last three years or so in getting Cornerstone established. And one of the things that was a blessing uh, when I was there um, last year, Brother Brad, is to see in this young church, this um, the, this relatively new work, uh, a group of young people that are that are, have a zeal and are are excited about what the Lord's doing. Not just young people, a great, a, a, a wonderful spectrum of ages, and um, just just so much life. And to see you now taking the things which the Lord has put into you over the years and putting that into others. I know that's a priority for you. How are you How are you taking those things which the Lord has invested in you and trying to put that and, and invest that into others? Well, preacher, I remember um, another missionary telling me one time, he said, Brad, people don't learn how to be good Christians from a book outside the Bible. He said, you can't teach them from a book. He said, they learn by example. And that's just struck a chord with me. He said, you build people by what you build in your own life. And I just realized there's no discipleship course. There's no training grounds. There's no Bible Institute can, that can build a Christian like examples can. And that has helped me so much in pouring myself into the men at our church and primarily men and uh, somewhat teenagers. Thankfully, we have somebody helping us with the teenagers and you know our families that we try to invest in. And I really, if I were to nail it down to just a couple of points, uh, something I try to hit with our men is accountability. That is lacking so much, not only in Christianity today, but in men in general. You know, men are just uh, left a lot with independence and with um, their own mindset. But 
uh, accountability is what keeps us safe, especially in the culture of Trinidad and especially in, in a church um, that is uh, growing and needs to have people faithful. So I try to lead in that area with accountability in your lifestyle and your Christian testimony and your family. And another thing, another thing that uh, would probably hit the top of my head would be just pure faithfulness. Uh, faithfulness not only to the work of God, but faithfulness to what you say you're going to do. You having been to Trinidad how many times? Three times now? Uh, just twice. Just twice. Twice. Yeah. You know the relaxed culture that they adapt to. And you, I'm sure, just like us, could adapt to it very easily also. <laughs> sure. That type of structure leaves people that uh, get saved and start coming to church, that leaves them in a almost a no man's land when it comes to following up with what they commit to do. And in America, that's kind of our, our structure. That's our backbone. We say we're going to do it. We'll get it done, especially with Christians. And, and that's something that I, I've learned has to be taught sometimes, even to grown adults, that, you know what, faithfulness, not just to God, not just to church, but to your word. And to what you're, you say you'll follow up with is a huge point of learning and training. And that has really helped me with the development of our men, uh, being able to see them just follow through. And even as, as uh, Christ says, he that is faithful and little is faithful also much, even in small things in their life, I try to make them realize that what they're doing is they're establishing a pattern uh, of sticking with what they say. And uh, on top of that, we try to establish a lot of commitment as well. Uh, commitment to what Christ has said. As you know, you preached our Faith Promise Missions Conference, which was our second. And just to see about, I think it was 10 to 12 new givers that year. It was just so exciting. And, and commitment, especially during this time, I'm not quite sure when this uh, will be uh, broadcasted, but during the time of, of the so-called pandemic, it's really been a, a tough call for all churches around the world, but especially a young church of just three years commitment to what God has done in your life is tested, especially in the storm. And so those are just some things that I, I would probably list as, as at the top of my head of, of in the essence of training and passing it down to our men. And of course, I do not have the answers. In fact, I'm just feeling like I'm scratching the surface, but that's something that God has used in my life with other uh, advice and missionary men. And uh, hopefully that is passing on to the men in our church. It seems to me, Brother Brad, that missions really is all about reproduction. It's about local churches reproducing new local churches. It's about Amen. Christians reproducing new Christians. And one of the things that's it's just clears a bell, and it's not always like this, although although this component is always there because it's it's just it's worked into the DNA of biblical Christianity. But when I look at at your life and your ministry, I see that principle of reproduction. It's it's not difficult for me to see how people have invested in you and how you are now taking those things and investing them in others. And it's a real joy. And I'm just uh, thankful to be able to observe and thankful to have a conversation like this so I can encourage other people, hopefully, to think about these things, about mentoring type of relationships, sometimes even those kinds of relationships developing in short-term missions trips. Watching that happen with you, with Brother Hoffmeister, the participation of a lot of different local churches in birthing a new local church, these things are, they're biblical. They're just part of the New Testament. It's what missions is all about. And it's exciting to to watch it unfold and, and 
and be able to observe uh, how God does things and and see His people participate in His uh, in His method of reproduction, as it were. So, thanks so much for the the conversation. Thanks so much for sitting down with me and talking through some of these things. Hope to uh, see you again one of these days, perhaps on the island of Trinidad. And just really appreciate you and your wife and the and the children and how the Lord's using you there in uh, in Princess Town. God Thank bless you, you Brother Brown. I appreciate it as well. Good to talk to you through these things. There are several things about my conversation with Brad Burkowski that I think are instructive for the way that we think about missions and how missionaries are cultivated. One would be the family connection. Long before there were two Burkowski brothers on the foreign field, there was a mom and dad that were committed to the Great Commission. They put missionary biographies in the hands of their children. They hosted missionaries in their home. They provided the opportunity for their children to visit a foreign field in their youth. The role of the short-term mission trip proved to be very important in Brother Brad's spiritual formation at the age of 12 and then as a young adult. And those multiple trips as a young adult developed a missionary-mentor relationship that would go a long way in preparing Brother Brad for his own ministry in Trinidad. This concept of missionary mentoring goes by a different word in the New Testament, discipleship. Properly understood, discipleship is not a course that one takes or a curriculum that one works through. It consists of showing someone how to live the Christian life and minister to the needs of others and then letting them do it with guidance and accountability. It's what Jesus Christ did with the Twelve and what the Apostle Paul did with a series of men in the book of Acts. Whether in stateside local churches or in foreign missionary endeavors, it's an incredibly important and often overlooked element of New Testament Christianity. Thanks again for joining me today on Great Commission Conversations. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts. And if it's been a blessing to you, please feel free to invite others to tune in. I sincerely welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.